This podcast is recorded with a live audience on YouTube and Facebook, and we do take questions during the show. But if you're listening right now and you would like to send a question to the podcast, check the show notes for a link to send a voice message. Please note, your question might be featured on a future episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being there. So today, like I said, we're talking about the baby steps. What are the baby steps? I'm going to go ahead and list them out. Baby step number one is to save $1,000 in your emergency fund. Baby step two is to pay off all your debt. Baby step number three, you should save three to six months of your income of expenses. So how much does it cost for you to, to take care of yourself in a month? When you know what that amount is, you're saving three to six months equivalent of that in a fully funded emergency fund. Baby step number four is you're investing 15% of your income for retirement. You're putting that towards a retirement goal. Baby step number five, you're saving up for college for your children. Baby step six, you pay off your house. Baby step seven, you're building wealth. You build wealth and give. Build and be generous. Those are the seven baby steps. We're going to take them one step at a time. In baby step three, you go back to that emergency fund which you had, the $1,000. Now you have to top it to a fully funded emergency fund. Your fully funded emergency fund has three to six months worth of expenses in there. So in doing your budget between baby step one and baby step three, in doing your budget, you would have already known how much it takes for you to live as a family, how much you need financially to take care of your everyday needs in a given month. Those are things that if I ask you right now, those watching, tell me, do you know how much you need in a, on a monthly basis to take care of yourself? Just put a yes or a no in the, in the comment section. Let me know if my audience right now knows what it takes financially for them to live in a month. Okay, so once you know that amount, it's a three to six months, you're giving yourself your fully funded emergency fund as a three to six months worth of that amount. So if your one month expenses, for example, mortgage and everything included, take note, your car payments are gone, your, your credit card payments are gone, right? So when you get to baby step three, all those payments that you were sending on a monthly basis to overdraft, to credit card companies, to car loans, all of those payments, you're not sending them anymore. Guess what you have? More money. You get more money. You get more freedom. Now you can start to tell yourself yes even more. You can start to say yes to so many things that you had cut out within the one to two year period that you were getting out of debt. So in your baby step three, you might find yourself having that fully funded emergency fund in a really, really, really short time, shorter than it took you to, to shorter than it would have taken you if you were trying to fund your emergency fund while being in debt. So how much does it take for you to live on a monthly basis? Maybe it's $3,000, maybe it's $5,000 as a family. Maybe, I don't know, whatever your number is, it's your number. You want to plan to save that amount times three, times six, three to six, three, four, five, whatever number you choose, whatever number you want to be comfortable with. There is a guideline though. And when we were talking one-on-one, -on -one, I could give you the guidelines for what it is that you should be doing in your personal situation 
you make the ultimate decision, but I would always give you what I think. I would always give you my opinion and I always tell you what would work best for you. <laughs> so I do have two comments over there, two people. One person knows how much to spend, another person approximately. <laughs> That's good. It's better than not knowing at all, but you should know. <laughs> so three to six months of expenses. So if you're if you're if your monthly expense is three thousand dollars, you want to save nine thousand dollars, which is three months worth, in your emergency fund. If your monthly expense is five thousand dollars, you want to save fifteen thousand dollars in your emergency fund. Minimum three months. You can take it all the way to six. You don't need to go beyond that unless your situation is really, really um, unstable. That's the word. So if you are a person who is self-employed, for example, and there are seasons where your, your business fluctuates a lot, you would have to go with an average, but you would need to look again at your personal situation. What's the longest you might be able, you might go without having an income. That's the time when it's very easy to fall back into debt. But when you have your fully funded emergency fund and when you're setting up your fully funded emergency fund, you are doing that, taking into account what it takes for you to live in your personal situation, what it entails, right? I hope I'm making sense there. I hope you guys are understanding what I'm saying. If you have a question, please put it in the chat. I want to respond to that. Some people are okay. A lot of people are okay with three months of expenses. I would say for those who are, if you have the government backing you up in any kind of way, if I want to take back, for example, like in the COVID situation, if you have the government backing you up in any kind of way, then you know that maybe if you lose your job, you have EI, or you have things like that, unemployment, you have things like that that are going to kind of supplement so you would not need to go into debt. But again, don't depend on the government to take care of you. Plan to take care of yourself. If whatever is coming from the government happens to come, let that be an excess. Let that be a plus. Don't let that be the amount that you're depending on. And then if it doesn't come, you start scrambling. You start wondering what's going to happen. What's going to happen to me? COVID last year, 2020, in March, if we can just think back for a moment how you felt when your company told you we're going to go on a lockdown for three months we're going to go on a lockdown and we're going to have to lay everybody off how did you feel i know for a fact a lot of people were scrambling a lot of people were panicking and people i have no idea how this thing turned into a how this thing turned into a, a toilet paper rush but people scrambled and people took their credit cards and they were swiping left right center swiping everywhere and stocking up their homes with things that maybe they needed, right? But they were doing that out of fear. They were not doing that out of knowing. They didn't, it didn't come from a place of knowing that this is what's going to happen. It came from a place of panic and a place of, are we going to survive? We came from a place of, I don't know, really from a place of fear. When you have an emergency fund, you know, you know that when the tides start going rough, you have a solid ground to stand on. People who are financially independent today, people who are financially free, they don't even, I'm thinking the biggest guys out there, 
they don't, nobody knows what the future is. They can't tell you tomorrow this is going to happen or next week this is going to happen to the stock market or next week this is going to happen or next year this is going to happen. Nobody knows that and nobody can know. But the one thing that all of them have in common, the one thing that they always say is they control the controllable. They control what they can control and they leave the rest to happen however it's happening. That's the position you want to put yourself in in order to become financially free. Control what you can control, which is what? It's you. You're the one thing you can control. Your behavior, your spending, your money, those are the things you have total control over. You have no control over who's going to come and ask you for money. You have no control over what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no control over any of that. But you have control over how you respond to any of those things that are coming. Put yourself in a position where when those things start going sideways, COVID came, I don't know what's coming soon, whatever is happening, you need to know for yourself and for your family, because that's your first responsibility, you and your family, you need to know that we are going to be okay. We've done what we can. We'll leave the rest to God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Leave the rest to that. So baby step three, save three to six months of your monthly expenses in an emergency fund. That's not the money you're looking to invest. It's just money that you're putting there for when something happens. So when that's done, the next step you would then start looking at is baby step four, which is you're investing. You're saving 15% of your income for retirement. This is a very big thing in our community in the sense that a lot of people don't even think about retirement. A lot of people don't plan for retirement. A lot of people don't know what retirement is in the context of the nation or in the context of the general context. Again, first of all, retirement is not even an age. It's not the age when you stop working or whatever. Retirement is what Financially, let me explain this in two ways. The retirement, the way we know it, is the age at which you stop working or the time when you stop working and then you're no longer going to work and all whatnot. I know people who are retired in their 30s. Not because they're old, but because they have attained a level of financial independence that they don't need to work in order to take care of themselves. If we can put ourselves in a position where, able to, where we are able to retire, where we're not working for money, that's a good goal. But that may not be your goal. If that's not your goal, you just want to retire at the time when you're going to retire, which is 65, 70, or whatever age that is, you should start investing 15% of your income towards retirement to your planning to take care of yourself when you get to that stage. In our community, in our African society, we somehow depend on the people we're taking care of. We, our retirement plan is my children are going to take care of me. That's our retirement plan. Unfortunately, that's most people's retirement plan. 
to say, our children are going to take care of us because we took care of them. And they say the government is going to take care of us because we contribute into social security or we contribute into um, a retirement pension plan. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the regular one that's coming from work. But have you ever for a moment stopped to think of what retirement really is? Have you ever for a moment stopped to think of when you want to retire? You can retire at 40. You can retire now if financially you're able to, if financially you don't need to take care of, you don't need to worry about making an income. Of, you don't need to worry about working for money. That's what I'm trying to say. So back to the baby step. In baby step four, after you finish baby step one, two, three, again, each of those steps, you're doing them one by one. Step one, you're saving for, the, for your emergency fund. You're doing only that. Step two, you're paying off your debt. You're doing only that. Step three, you're saving up for your emergency fund, fully funded. You're doing only that. Step four, because one, two, three are gone. Step four now, whatever your income is. Let me just use round numbers. If you make $100,000, you should be putting aside 15% of that. 15% of that is what? 15000 right? So you're putting aside at least $15,000 of your income towards a retirement goal. How you want to invest those, those are things you're going to have to discuss with your investment advisor. But there are so many options. There's mutual funds, there's stocks, there's bonds, there is um, index funds. There are so many, so many options there. There's real estate, there's many things. You should be saving 15% of your income towards that retirement goal. If you're planning to, of course, you're going to be planning to retire. You should be saving your income 15% of that towards your retirement goal. So um, how you want to invest that is up to you. There are guidelines. I could talk to you personally. I'm not an investment advisor, but I could tell you what I do. And I'm going to tell you what I do in the private session. If you ask me that one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to tell you what I do and what we do, my husband and I, and things like that. I know people here in the audience who invest in real estate. I know people who just invest in mutual funds. I know people who invest in index funds. Which one of those is best? It's a conversation for another day. And again, I, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about that. So I'm not going to explain any of those here because I'm not an investment advisor. I'm a financial coach. Okay. So I want to go to comments here. So this information is very helpful. Thank you, gangs. Kennedy, how do you separate frugality from living a miserable life for the purpose of building a better future? Can you cut all these expenses while still living a normal life? Yes, you can. So let me give an example here. For example, people who, let me just take a common expense that a lot of people have, right? Television, TV. You can cut back on TV and that doesn't take anything from you. You can cut back on, maybe you have a cell phone and you have a home phone line. Who calls you on that thing? Right. You could cut back on, you can cut off the home phone line. That saves you whatever amount of dollars you're paying towards your home phone. So that's TV off, home phone's gone, but you still can communicate with people. Because guess what? You have internet. Everybody calls on WhatsApp these days. And you have your cell phone. People are still going to talk to you on phone. Nobody just, it's just you're paying for things you don't need. So things again like more expenses, things like eating out. 
what's important for you is to eat. It's not where you eat, it's that you eat. And if, you, if you're thinking about your long-term goals, there are certain sacrifices you're gonna make now and you will still be able to live a normal life by your standards, not by society standards. Because by society standards, oh my God, people need to be doing so many things. But at the end of the day, when you're in trouble, when you're in, when you're deep down in debt, when you're getting homeless and all whatnot, it's not the society, it's not the community that's going to look at you, it's you. It's you, you are your responsibility. You have to make a plan for yourself. You have to take care of your family. That's your first and foremost duty, obligation, responsibility. It's you and your family. That's your first and foremost. So what a normal life is, depends on what you define as normal. But yes, you can still enjoy everyday living just by cutting back. In the, in a typical African family, the people who want to eat good meat every day, <laughs> I say good meat, <laughs> the people want to eat good meat every day. Do you need to eat good meat every day? Those are expensive, right? There are things you can cut back while you are trying to get out of debt. There are lots of things that you have to do because you know you have a reason why you're doing those things. You have a goal. So it's very important, first of all, to want to do it. It's important to know why you want to do it. And then you figure out the how. And that how, you might have to ask questions to people. You might need to come talk to a financial coach like myself. But you will have to get your spouse involved, get your kids involved, and let everybody know this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Everybody gets on board and it makes it so much easier to do the whole thing. In my, I, I do have a 14 day money finder thing on my website. I'm just gonna share that right here. I have a 14 day money finder thing. When you pop, when you go to my website, that's the first thing that pops on your screen. It tells you reset your finances, find money in 14 days. It's a 14 day email series. And I send you every single day, I send you an email with a little task that you get to do for that day. By the end of the 14 days, you would have found ways to save so much money. You would have found ways to cut back without depriving yourself, but you would have found so many areas where, you, where you're currently just wasting money. The 14 day thing, it's, it's 14 days for you to reset your finances, reset your finances. It helps you change your behavior. Because like I said, debt is a behavior problem. It's not a math problem. My 14-day trial finder helps you identify those areas of your personal spending, of your habits, of your everyday expenses that are stealing money from you. So if you want to get started on that, head on over to my website, idaazefo.com, I-D-A-A-Z-E-F-O-R.com. And just click on take the challenge and it's going to come to you. It's no longer free though. I just need to say that out there. It was free before. A lot of people took it and they, and they benefited from it. It's no longer free. So if you want to do it, I'm just going to have to give you information on how to make that happen. Okay. But thanks so much for that question, Kennedy. Here it's about retirement. It meant to, reti it meant to retiring in my 40s. Absolutely. That's a really, really good goal. 
Here, question. At Kennedy, I think budgeting will allow you to separate frugality from living miserably. Everything should be included in the budget for you not to feel as if you're missing out. Yep, that's true. And you can definitely, well, you should, you should, in your budget, you should include a category for, for having fun. You just have to be intentional then about what that fun is. So your fun, maybe your fun right now is going to, to the cabaret every day. It's not happening now with COVID, but maybe your fun right now is something that is really, really expensive. But when you put yourself on the budget, you start to ask yourself, what is it that would give me the most satisfaction for the least amount of money? You start to think more creatively. You start to think about, you start to put a lot more thought into, maybe even the gifts you give people, you start to put a lot more thought into it. At first you were just looking at it from a price point. I'm gonna buy this person this gift that costs this much. But is that really what the person likes? When you're on a budget, you start to ask yourself more and more questions. You start to ask yourself more meaningful questions and you start to do more meaningful things. And then you ask yourself, but why was I even spending all this money before in the first place? So it really just gives you, it puts you back in control. That's the word. It puts you in control of your money. Because again, the reason you're in debt is because you, you were acting on impulse for a lot of things. You're not in control. You're not the boss of your money. But when you become back the boss of your money, you tell it where to go, you tell it what to do, you tell it how to do it, you tell it when to do it. So guys, as you're on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed to my page, please hit the subscribe button. And if you're getting any value from this, give a thumbs up right there on your screen. Okay. So right here, we say good points. Here is, we saw that already. These days, smart TVs have made having cable unnecessary. Yeah. You just need internet and you need a smart TV or you, you get a smart TV if that's what you want to, in order for you to cut back on certain other things. Here, we need some advice on investing the funds from point four, retirement funds. So we can talk about that on one-on-one, -on -one, Florence. Like I mentioned, I'm not a financial advisor or, or investment advisor. So the things I can't tell you right here on the show okay but a lot of people like i've mentioned do invest in mutual funds they invest in stocks in bonds in etfs in what's the other one index funds and in real estate that's a very big one a lot of people invest in so the key thing is to invest in what you understand so make sure you understand it there's bitcoins out there as well but i wouldn't really call that anyway let's not even get into bitcoins but you need to understand it in order to invest in it. That's the, that's the thing. So baby step four is you investing 15% of your income for retirement. That's 15% before taxes. If you make $100,000, at least $15,000 should be getting towards retirement investment every single year. You divide that up by the number of months and you know how much you're sending out every single month. And the best way to do all of those things is to automate them. So you're not waiting to see what's left after you take care of your expenses. You're taking that from the top before your paycheck comes in or once your paycheck comes in, take that amount out, send it to wherever it's going. You will find a way to squeeze your life into whatever is left. But if you're waiting to save what's left at the end of the month, you're not going to have it. So that's something that 
if you only take one thing from this, take that. Okay. Um, here. Okay. Super. So no more questions right there. I'm going to go back to baby steps, baby step number five. If you notice so far in all of this, I haven't even talked about saving for your children's college because taking care of yourself should be a priority over paying for your student's college. <clears throat> People might say, no, no, no. But here's the thing. I think your kids would prefer to, well, no, you have a responsibility to take care of your retirement. It's not your children who are supposed to care for you in retirement. I think our community has made that normal and it's acceptable and it's what we do. But we living in a diaspora right now, think about how much money you need to spend every single month and think about how expensive life has become over the years. With that in mind, think about how much more expensive it will be for your children when they get to adulthood, when you will be retiring and the children are in adulthood. Think about how much more expensive it will be for them to take care of themselves, right? When you think about things like that, and then you ask yourself, maybe right now you're able to send a few hundred dollars to your parents back, back home and it can take care of them. But if your children gave you that same amount of money while you're here, do you think you can take care of take care of yourself on a monthly basis for, say your child is generous enough and gives you even $1,000, let's even take it all the way up to $1,000 and then your children are giving you every month. First of all, that's a strain on their budget, extremely strenuous on their budget to take care of you in your retirement with $1,000. But if that's what you're getting from your kids, which is really, really generous, can you survive on $1,000 a month in retirement? Can you? I don't think so. Because only your rent, if you haven't paid off your home by then, you would still be paying a, um, a mortgage, right? Or if you don't have a home, you will be paying for rent. Only your rent will probably be taking the whole thousand dollars. Maybe the government is gonna give you a few hundreds every single month. You're thinking about groceries and you're thinking about feeding and you sorry, you're thinking about groceries, you're thinking about everyday living. So um electricity and housing and all of those kind of things. So it it really gets expensive. And like I mentioned, a lot of us don't think about planning for retirement, but we should. And that takes priority over baby step five, which is saving for your children's college. You have to put 15% of your income towards your retirement. That's number four. Number five, if you have the extra, which again, if you're following the steps, you will have. If you have that extra, then you should start putting money towards the children's college fund. Last time on the show, on the episode about student loans, we talked about how to go to college debt-free. If you happen to get to this stage and you haven't saved anything for your children and they're ready to go to school, you have options. That's the reason also why I say baby step four takes precedence over step five. Step four, you have to save for yourself. Step, step four, you save for yourself. Step five, you're saving for college. They have options. They have scholarships. They have grants. They have work study. They have so many options. But it would be good for you as a parent to save up for your children's college. How much you're saving for college, that's up to you. Which kind of schools do your children want to go to? What do they want to study? How expensive is it going to be? How young or how old are they right now? So with all those things taken into consideration, you will 
have a good estimate of how much you should be putting towards a college fund for your children. In Canada, we have the options of the um, registered education savings plan and the government can, kind of matches a certain amount that you're putting in there. In the US, you have the 529 and you have other options. So those are just options and those are things those are things that are out there, those are things that are available, but you will only get that information when you start to look for them. So I'm hoping that this episode today is at least giving you some of that information that you need. So baby step four, you're saving 15% of your income. Baby step five, you're saving up for your children's college. And while doing all of that, you, you know you're still paying off your house because you haven't finished paying it off. In baby step six, you are paying off your house. Baby step four, five, and six, you do those together. So while you're making your big number, while you're making your $100,000 income and you're putting $15,000 towards your retirement, you're putting a certain amount of that towards, towards your children's education fund and you're putting another big percentage of that towards payment, payment of your house. You're paying extra. You know, again, by this time, you don't have any of those other debt that you had at the beginning, right? So you have more money. You have more options. You're taking vacations and all whatnot. You're doing all of those things, but you should be planning to pay off your house. Paying off your house is not a very popular opinion among, among um, banks, among real estate investors. Among It's not a very popular opinion. So first, you need to know why you want to do that. What are the advantages or the disadvantages for you? And don't let a tax person tell you that is because you get you get you get a, a tax refund because you're paying interest on your home. Because you don't get a refund for the interest that you're paying on your home. You get a tax credit, which depends on whatever your your in your your tax rate is. Those are things I can explain again one on one if you come to me on a on a private coaching basis. Okay. So just to recap that, baby step four, five, and six, you're doing those together. Four, it's your saving 15% of your income. Five, you're saving for your children's college. And six, you're paying off your house. And when your house is completely paid off, guess what you have? A lot of money. A lot of money. You owe nobody a thing. Baby step seven is your building wealth and you're giving. What are the world building options? There are so many, and I could talk about those in another episode, okay? So I wanna see if you have any comments, if you have any questions, please put them up. And right now I have the full, all the seven baby steps, they're going on the, on the thing at the bottom, on the banner at the bottom, so you can see them. If you wanted to take them down, please go ahead and take them. And if you have questions, please let me know. I want to answer more and more of your questions. I just want to go back and see if I missed anybody's question right there. And while you're on my channel, please subscribe and give a thumbs up if you're getting any value from any of this. Okay, so I don't see any more questions right there. If you're ready, to get started on your personal journey, I want you to take action today. I want you to begin your 14-day money finder challenge on my website. It's right there. I shared it already. I'm just going to show that again. When you click to my website, that's the first thing you see. If you put in here, take the challenge, you put in your 
if you click on take the, take the challenge, it just pops up and you can put in your email address and I'm going to start sending you a couple of emails. It's 14 days only, but in the 14 days, you will gain a different perspective on your money. You will start to do those things that you need to do in order to get you to a place where you've never been. So if you want to get started right there, that's the information. And I'm hoping to see more and more people do different, do better with their money. Okay. So questions, please. If you have questions, let me know. Okay, in the absence of questions, so for those watching, and you might be wondering, how do you get in touch with me? You can get in touch with me by email, by WhatsApp. If you go on my Facebook page, my WhatsApp is right there. But the WhatsApp number, again, it's 514-400-4490. If you want to watch me, WhatsApp me, I will be able to communicate with you one-on-one. -on -one. But you can reach me on all the platforms. I'm even on TikTok right now, and I do a couple of things out there that is just to inspire people. It's just to get people intentional with their money. And then I also do group coaching. So if you belong to a group, an association, um, I don't know, CWA, Cameroonian Association, or whatever, any association you belong to, and if your group is interested in in having me come over there to talk to a group of people because i know sometimes it's hard to raise your hand and say you know what i need i need help i have a problem but if you belong to a group you can um i could come over to your group and i could have a group session with everybody there and there we're going i'm going to be answering your questions one-on-one -on -one. i could answer a lot more questions in, in person than i would do online and you have your privacy you know it's it's staying within that little group there and if you, if after giving a talk to your group, if you want to meet me again, one-on-one, -on -one, you will definitely have a discount because you belong to that group. Okay. So if you're right here and you belong to a group, please talk to your association and you can tell them, you know, you know, sometimes guys, we have those things where we raise money to take care of a project back home. We raise money to take care of certain things in the village and just it's not because it personally benefits you but just because you belong to an association that's trying to do something for change in the village that's very good that's very good but i want to ask you this question wouldn't it be amazing if you also sometimes did something for yourself as the association these are things that we should start doing as a community these are things that we should do to empower ourselves to share information, to get more and more independent, we can get ahead as a community. If every single person decides today, I'm gonna do something different, I'm gonna do something better, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of myself in a way that I've never done before. It starts to snowball because the people around you see what you're doing. The people around you see the changes that you've, you've that you've made. And somehow they get impacted and somehow every other person, it becomes a chain reaction. Every other person starts to do better. And by the time you know it, guess what? The whole community is doing so much better just because you as an individual decided to take action. So don't, under, don't underestimate the power you have. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't underestimate. Don't think all of this is so scary. You don't even know where to start. That's what I'm here for. If you want to get in touch with me, get in touch with me one-on-one we will get started on your personal journey.
So in the absence of questions, thank you so much, everybody, for watching. It's been a, an amazing session. And again, hit subscribe, and I would love to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one.